code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. as always check in to cuttingthroughthematrix.com for lots of free downloadable information on many topics to do with the, the history of the western world and in fact the whole world from ancient times to the modern times I link in the agendas of powerful groups and institutions the moneyed system that uh, has been forced upon the whole planet and I also go into the scientific realms because the scientists are employed by elitists to direct the world. You always direct the world if you want to maintain power intergenerationally. You can also check into sentientsentinel.eu for downloadable transcripts in other languages. Now, I don't know how many people know about the upcoming coordinated exercise that's going to take place in Canada and the U.S. and other countries, the U.K., etc., in October. But this to be the biggest anti-terrorism, really martial law-type exercise ever conducted, probably even outside of the two world wars. In fact, it didn't have anything with as big as this. And this is a, the actual press release I'm going to read in the next, after the, the, the following messages, but... It's amazing to see all of this hype taking place over an event from 9-11 that had to happen in 2001 for the New American Century Group to get their agenda steamrolling ahead. And they've been, um, they've been spending money like it grew on trees, which in a sense it does because it's just our labor and the grandchildren's labor to come, that that's all money really is. And that's what debt is, too. And they're spending billions and billions of dollars on this hype, 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 terror, 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 and how no one really in the Western Hemisphere can be trusted with, with conducting themselves in a, 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 a normal fashion. We're all at risk, you see. We don't know what we're going to do next. Because all of this hype has nothing to do with the Middle East or Islam or any of that. It's to do with training the public or the, the whole planet, really, into doing what they're told uh, and also to check everything that you purchase, every penny you earn has to be uh, 
uh, filled in triplicate and sent to governmental departments because they want to know everything that you're doing. It's all about you, you and me and everyone else on the planet. This is totalitarianism, and it doesn't matter really what other names you give it. If, it's, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And we're, we're seeing the biggest duck ever invented come down the pike. Now, the following messages are coming up, and when you read this, this actual um, U.S. Northcom uh, handout was given out to different groups and the media after the following messages. Canada and the United Kingdom, as well as the territory of Guam. 
BSO8 and national level exercise 108 will provide local, state, tribal, it's interesting, tribal interagency, Department of Defense and non-governmental organizations. Now, here's your non-governmental organizations that just sprouted up like weeds and all got financed from the top down like the Rockefeller foundations and so on. That's who sponsors these non-governmental organizations, which used to be called the Soviet in the Soviet Union. This is and agencies involved in homeland security and homeland defense, the opportunity to participate in a full range of exercise scenarios that will better prepare participants to prevent and respond to national crisis. The participating organizations will conduct a multi-layered civilian-led response to a national crisis. Now, I don't know if you know that many big organizations, including GM and so on, have been taking some of their top people and training them to be civilian leaders and and, uh, training them to help herd the public um, along particular directions in time of national crisis as to where to go for safety and all this kind of stuff. So this is a full-blown, multi-integrated scenario that's coming along to test out their, their crisis preparedness. It says, U.S. NORTHCOM's primary exercise venues for VS-08 include locations in Oregon, Arizona, and a cooperative venue with USPACOM in the territory of Guam. NORAD's aerospace detection and defense events will take place across all the exercise venues to exercise the ability to mobilize resources for aerospace defense, aerospace control, maritime warning, and coordination of air operations in the disaster area. Now, there's no doubt the maritime warning also takes into consideration all these flotillas of gunships that put on the Great Lakes, which are really there to keep the U.S. citizenry in in times of plague and so on in case they try to flee. So this is a huge, huge exercise, and I have no doubt there'll be a lot of nervous people uh, carrying guns around and wearing these fancy Ninja Turtle outfits, the kind that you saw in the Star Wars movies back in the 70s. It's quite amazing they actually knew what they'd be wearing back then. But if you're in the know, you don't have much problem in in equipping actors with the the right kind of suits. See, there's nothing new under the sun, and it's true. There's nothing new in this whole scenario because I used to wonder when I was a child, I could see how Britain and Europe were being integrated into a European Union, but I knew that the U.S. would have to be approached differently because they have a they had an idea of a, a vague thing called freedom quite a few years ago and individual rights. And probably it was the only planet, really, or only only country on the planet that still had a vestige of this thing called individual rights. So they've done a lot in the last 40 years to make people give up those individual rights and encourage the sort of herd mentality has been very, very successful. So most folk today don't really mind giving up their privacy and all their rights. It's just the few who can still think that are the problem and that this kind of exercise is meant to to take care of, of uh, those kind of people, little groups of people, thinkers, people who have um, uh, um, speak crime stuff like that. They, they speak what they think. It's called speak crime, you see. And before you speak, you have thought crime, like George Orwell said. That's where it's all going. 
And this is going to cost the U.S. taxpayer a bundle uh, as the dollar, of course, is falling because it's falling to align itself with the Canadian dollar. In fact, the two have been on par now for weeks. All they have to do now is create some kind of general sales tax like Canada has uh, to, to bring the U.S. up to the same standard and then integrate the countries. It'll be much easier. That's all that's happening right now. And all of this kind of um, exercise scenario is to take care of backlashes from the public um, as they get less and less and as, as prices go up and up to match Canada's because we pay a lot more in Canada for basic things like food and so on uh, than they do in the U.S. Now, in the Europe, they brought in value-added tax to, to police the public, and it went up to about 15% at one time on every purchase of every item. In Canada, they tried to bring in the value-added tax when Brian Mulroney was in. It didn't really float too well, so they called it general sales tax instead and slapped it on. But the U.S., don't, they don't have that kind of tax, so it's time that they did to bring them into line with Canada because there's no way that Canada's going to decrease its prices to match the U.S. The U.S. will have to come up to Canada's standard. And then once we're both harmonized, as they call it, love this word harmony, they're great singers at the top, they'll bring us all down to, to a state near Mexico and Mexico will come up a little bit from where they are and there'll be this happy medium, uh, a bigger harmony, a tripartite type harmony. That's what it's all about. We're integrating. And all of these preparedness exercises are to do with the integration and all the fallout that has to ensue from it as the old American way of life, whatever's left of it, is gone. Now, I talked to a banker, a, bank, or a teller in the bank a few weeks ago, and I mentioned casually that we're integrating. That's why the U.S. dollar was in par with Canada. And she said, well, that will never happen. And then under her breath, absentmindedly, she said, well, it wouldn't matter anyway. We're, we're pretty well the same. And she was quite correct. And it also told me that subconsciously she will accept it. She's already been programmed to accept it. Consciously, she, she would say no, no, but subconsciously she already accepts it through her programming through TV. All the little bits and bytes of information that's been fed into her has made up her mind for her, and she doesn't even know it. And that's how most people are. They're conditioned for every phase as it goes. But really, what's the difference between Canada and America today? There's none at all, because we have the same Hollywood giving us the same culture, and we've had that for the last 40, 50 years, really. It's all the same culture. In fact, it's the same culture worldwide. Go into the, the 1960s, read the newspaper articles from Britain, to do with the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the American branch, the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations. Look at the meetings they had in London, England in the late 60s to do with who would be responsible for creating the future society by directing the culture. Well, Britain tried with its little Pinewood Studios and, and the BBC, but it wasn't up to the kind of stuff that Hollywood could crank out. And so they decided that Hollywood and the New York-based music industry would give culture to the world. They would be the ones who would broadcast to the world, and the children would mimic, they'd copy, they'd emulate what they saw, and that's already happened. So the teller was right for reasons that she didn't understand. We're already pretty well much the same. 
And even the accent, it said, in the 1960s would change because the children would mimic the universal new American transatlantic accent that would come across on television and radio. And that's happened, too. If you listen to even Canadian children, they copy the California-type actress and actors that they hear on their favorite uh, teeny bopper shows. That's how you create culture, and that's how it's copied by the public. Again, read Plato's Republic. Read all of his works, in fact, because he gives you the whole scenario of how to create culture, how to change culture, and how the public will always adapt step by step without realizing it into the new culture. I'll be back after the following messages. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Hi folks, Alan Watt back with Cutting Through the Matrix, just going over the craziness of this world. It's an organized craziness though. It's only crazy for those public down below who are suspicious about things but they don't really know what's going on and don't really care to know what's going on. They're kind of nervous about things, mainly about the dollar falling, that kind of stuff. Will their own personal life be altered? By high prices and and uh, and all that kind of stuff, but they really don't really know what's happening and don't care to know. So don't waste your time on those ones. Look for the ones who are trying to come alive and give them the information to wake them up faster. Now I think we've got Roger from Tennessee on the line. Are you there, Roger? Yes. Uh, how are you today? Not so bad. Um, you know, when you were uh, talking about. Um people that you come in contact with uh, that seem to be just totally uh, um, apathetic and uh, uninterested in the way things are going. Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, this movie, and there's an analogy to be made between society we live in and the, the mental hospital and one flew over the cuckoo's nest, mm-hmm. really, and most particularly how ultimately, you know, the one who is really the sane one is considered the problem and uh, the ones who are uh, you know uh, under medication and uh, subdued uh, are you know the ones who are easy to control and especially when they got everybody all the doctors around what are we going to do with this guy you know the nurse said we can help him and their ultimate you know solution to the problem was to lobotomize the guy and make him just like the rest of Everyone yeah, else. That's right. what, what you uh, saw there, what you saw is the system versus the individual. That's right on. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it, uh, you know, it, it, these whole groupthink uh, programs that they have uh, brings to mind uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I see this program. I, I've done my own research, and it always seemed odd to me that it had so much power within the legal system with judges 
forcing people to attend these meetings. And so I did some research, and one of the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous was uh, mentored by Carl Jung, who said that his situation was pretty much hopeless and that, you know, he needed to find some kind of spiritual help to get him out of his problems. So he joined up with this Oxford group, which... Yeah. Uh, was a, I guess, a minister uh, who got a lot of influence. So there's these influences from Oxford. There's influences from Carl Jung, and uh, you know, I look at the the whole program. They've got the pyramid with, you know, one side it says unity, one side it says service, and it's a really sick program if you think about it. And considering that a lot of these judges are Masons, you wonder, and, and a lot of these meetings are held in Mason halls. You wonder if there's a strong influence from Freemasonry. Can you comment on that? Well, there was. There's no doubt about it that the founders were Masons. It did come out of the Oxford Movement, and the Oxford Movement was designed as uh, and chartered, uh, given authority uh-huh. by the British Crown, to basically set organizations, many different kinds of organizations across the whole planet, to standardize everything under a same, the same system. And even with the 12 steps, you know, it's the 12 steps. And so you have harmony, and you have five, the five points, five and seven, twelve. Uh, you have that involved with it. Two plus confession, basically. Confession came up through masonry from the Knights Templars and the Rosicrucians into, into modern masonry. And every mason must have a confidant where he, he gives a confession. Same with the skull and bones. Uh, that's part of it, too. And uh, and some people have opened themselves up to blackmail, in fact, through these organizations, and they do hush it up. But it's not really a, You see, there's two different ways to look upon it. It can help a person initially if they can get over their initial problem and get to know themselves better. But you're fi- why stand around with a bunch of people complaining that they're, they're alcoholics forever and ever and ever till you die? Well, uh, yeah, I was... I was uh didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, I was I, I was forced to go because of one of my run-ins with the law, and it wasn't even because of something I had done. That that it was a it was a, uh, a petty theft when I was on the streets and had some problems in the past, and uh, because I had alcohol in my breath, I was forced into this program, and it was just seemed like uh, a really sick program because it was a lifetime commitment, and you always had this problem that you were an alcoholic for the rest of your life and if you even said that you know hey i only drink once in a while you were really raked over the coals and being on probation they had a real strong influence as to whether or not your relationship with your probation officer and uh you know getting through that probation would uh would happen if you didn't cooperate with these people yeah yeah so it's a forced thing into again the group activity where your business is spilled out on the floor to other people, and and uh, you have no real private life of your own then. In fact, if you tried to have a private life, they'd be at your door asking what was wrong with you. Why don't you come back to the group? Yeah. Tell us your problems. So, uh, But this is, again, the, the whole... You see, they decided long ago when they were taking down religion, they'd have to replace it with a new religion of psychotherapy and uh, group encounters and all of this kind of thing. Uh, that's why they, why they brought psychiatry and therapy to the front. Yeah. Uh, it was a takeover from religion, right. and it pretty well has. And we'll be back after the following messages.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Hey, Alan Watt back with Cutting Through the Matrix. And I'm going to read an excerpt from a book called They Thought They Were Free. It's the Germans, 1933 to 1945, chapter 13, which is entitled By Then It Was Too Late. Milton Meyer was the author. You can get this book from University of Chicago Press, printed 1955. And he says here in this chapter, and relate this to the present times, that's why I'm reading this, what no one seemed to notice, said a colleague of mine, a philologist, was the ever-widening gap after 1933 between the government and the people. Just think how very wide this gap was to begin with here in Germany, and it became always wider. You know, it doesn't make people close to their government to be told that this is a people's government, a true democracy, or to be enrolled in civilian defense, or even to vote. All this has little really nothing to do with knowing one is governing. What happened here was the gradual habituation of the people, little by little, to being governed by surprise, to receiving decisions, deliberated it in secret, to believing that the situation was so complicated that the government had to act on information which the people could not understand, or so dangerous that even if the people could not understand it, could not be released because of national security. And their sense of identification with Hitler, their trust in him, made it easier to widen this gap and reassure those who would otherwise have worried about it. This separation of government from people, this widening of the gap, took place so gradually and so insensibly, each step disguised, perhaps not even intentionally, as a temporary emergency measure or associated with true patriotic allegiance or with real social purpose, and all the crises and reforms, real reforms too, so occupied the people that they did not see the slow motion underneath of the whole process of government growing remoter and remoter. You will understand me when I say that my middle high German was my life. It was all I cared about. I was a scholar, a specialist. Then suddenly I was plunged into all the new activity as the university was drawn into the new situation, meetings, conferences, interviews, ceremonies, and above all, papers to be filled out, reports, bibliographies, lists, questionnaires, and top of that were the demands of the community, the things in which one had to do, was expected to participate in the community events he's talking about that had not been there or had not been important before. It was all rigmarole, of course, but it consumed all one's energies coming on top of the work one really wanted to do. You can see how easy it was then not to think about fundamental things. One had no time. Those, I said, are the words of my friend, the baker. One had no time to think. 
there was so much going on. Your friend the baker was right, said my colleague. The dictatorship and the whole process of its coming into being was above all diverting. It provided an excuse not to think for people who did not want to think anyway. I do not speak of your little men, your baker, and so on. I speak of my colleagues and myself, learned men, mind you. Most of us did not want to think about fundamental things and never had. There was no need to. Nazism gave us some of us dreadful fundamental things to talk about. We were decent people and kept us so busy with continuous changes and crisis and so on, fascinated, yes, fascinated by the machinations of the national enemies without and within, that we had no time to think about these dreadful things that were growing little by little all around us. Unconsciously, I suppose we were grateful. Who wants to think? To live in this process is absolutely not to be able to notice it. Please try to believe me, unless one has a much greater degree of political awareness, acuity, than most of us had ever had occasion to develop. Each step was so small, so inconsequential, so well explained or, on occasion, regretted, that unless one were detached from the whole process from the beginning, unless one understood what the whole thing was in principle, what all these little measures that no patriotic German could resent must someday lead to, one no more saw it developing from day to day than a farmer in his field sees the corn growing. One day it is over his head. Now we've got Ron in New York. Are you there, Ron? Hello? Ryan? New York? Are you there? Yeah, you can hear me? Yep. Mm -hmm. I had a question about the 2001 Space Odyssey book. Because in the book, uh, like the things like a crystal in the beginning, it comes out and it does like different things. And I like test them out. I was wondering what, what, what that was, basically. What was it in the at the end you're talking about, or the or the beginning? The beginning when the crystal rises up and it tests all the apes and uh, like what well, like that couldn't have possibly like they're trying to say that happened. You know what, what was that symbolizing basically? Well, they were symbolizing advanced intelligence that had sent out this 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 obelisk basically a masonic obelisk to to check out uh, the different apes to find out which had the most intelligence and uh, dexterity. They're also tested physically for physical stamina and strength, and supposedly it infused into this particular ape this gene or whatever that gave it the ability to be dominant and to be aggressive and even uh, to kill. Uh, In other words, it was about an outside force coming in. However, it's also allegory of, of the, the Masonic stone, everything to do with the stone, that's what the obelisk is. Um, it's interesting, too, that obelisk they actually had in the movie. Uh, if you look at the UN building, the big black yeah. building, well, that's what that is. It's the one, the UN is one. Yeah. yeah. But the whole story was to do with one individual overcoming the computer and that's what all Masons are supposed to strive to, is to overcome the Lord of this world by understanding the, the nature of things, uh, understanding how sciences work, to be cunning, etc., and not to break the laws, but find ways to get around them and overcome the Lord of the world. Once he's passed that Lord, 
he becomes God in the extremely uh, yeah. high levels. And that's exactly what I was talking about with Sirius. Sirius is basically a form of Prometheus who actually goes up towards the sun. How the computer in 2001 is sun, that's what it means from the old Greek. Yeah. And so he overcomes the sun, the light. And, and who can become greater than the light? Well, you become the illumined one yourself. And the same thing, as I say, with Sirius, the star, because in the morning when it heralded the coming of the Nile um, with the flooding coming that gave life to the land around Egypt, uh, Sirius could be seen in the morning climbing towards the sun. And, and so all of these things are allegories of the same thing, of particular individuals' ability to overcome everything and, and become a form of God. That's yeah. the top of all the mystery religions. When you said um, winning over the computer, that uh, like might think of uh, them taking over everyone chipped. Uh, that too. In fact, that's where the chip comes from. This is a chip off the old block. And uh, Masons talk about that the, the, they have to go around the block a few times, as they say, during their ritual, uh, yeah. when they used to uh, pretend they were the planets going around the sun in one of the rituals. So that's the block in the middle, they call it, and it's a chip off the old block. The only problem is this will be silicone, which is um, a, a silicone. So we're all silicones, indeed, if we take it. Yeah. Conehead. Yes. Let's uh -huh. go on the brain. Yeah, conehead. Pardon? Uh, and, uh, I was just saying, since it's going to go in the brain, it really is a conehead. Uh, you're right, yeah. And, and this whole idea of chipping is, is, is uh, it's quite amazing to realize that, that uh, in ancient religions and right through all religions, you have the stone. Peter himself is the rock. The rock is the stone. Yeah. Uh, Peter is from, from, from Petra or Petros, yeah. and that means rock or stone. So you find the same thing down through the mystery religions, including King Arthur and all the rest of it, the legends with the sword and the stone. And the stone also is the family jewels. That's the real ones because it's your testicles. Yeah. And what you give out as a mason, as you select your wife or as you selected for you in the high degrees, then you pass on superior intellect to the child. It's a eugenics program. Yeah. yeah. Sounds about right. Mm -hmm. Shuts the picture. Yeah, and that's why they call it stones, folks. Yeah. yeah. So everything sort of fits in when you understand their terminology, how they hide yeah. in plain sight. It's like, funny, yeah, terminology, because I heard one of your things, and, uh, like, I had never known that fetus that was Latin for baby. Yeah, if you demonize or dehumanize uh, an enemy, that's what you do in all war, it's much easier to kill them. And so you simply make, the, make it a non-human being. And I've actually heard women say it's just like getting a wart removed. So they equate a yeah. baby to a wart. That's how far it's gone. Yeah. And yet that wart could have been you, I, or anyone else. Yeah, yeah. And even if they wanted to change their name, what, what could they even change it to? Nothing. That's right. Uh, and... Uh, but yeah, that, that's so, same with, with the elderly, they call them geriatrics. You're no longer an elderly person, no, you're a geriatric. You're put into this non-human form where it becomes easier to, again, use genocide. Yeah. Yeah. Standard techniques used down through the ages. You'll find in the ancient um, slavery systems of the ancient world, 
they they gave numbers to the slaves, and if you were born on the plot of land that you're that others worked on that plot had a number and that was your name that was you that was your name you worked there until you died you had no name except for the number so the numbering of slaves is not new yeah so they just use the same old techniques down and down again down through history over and over and the public who are kept in ignorance never twig onto yeah. it and you well, if you only it. think in the English language, like, yeah. I only think in the English language, you know. Yeah. So that's uh, pretty limiting right there. You'll find they've done the same in all of them. Though. That's the, see, all the, all the main European languages were updated at the same time. And they used the different um, heroes of religion to update them. You had Luther in one country, and you had King James in another, and so on. But they, they really updated the languages all at the same time to encode them all, all the languages of Europe. Really? Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. So there's probably uh, no common tone, tonality, I don't know. Oh yeah, you, you can go from one language to the next and find the same, the same meanings when you understand the codings. Yeah. Okay, man. Thanks a lot, man. It was great talking to you. I know. So yeah, we're, we're living in a, a multifaceted matrix here where even the words you speak uh, are basically your form of, of um, that's your computer language. And they know by giving you a particular type of logic and the language that you use, if they give you a question or they make a comment about something, you will work through to a conclusion which is preconceived. They know what you must come to, and that's how perfectly understood we are. And we get downloaded from a uh, uh, hundred different sources every day in media outlets and magazines and billboards and even the symbols and logos that we see all over the place you're living in a, a high masonic world and if you're in the, the one of the profane meaning the those in the darkness those who don't see then you're being programmed without understanding what the programming is or even that it's happening but it does affect you it will work its way through you it's quite amazing to see the symbols of slavery all around you, symbols that medieval peasants would have run away from because they knew what they meant. And yet today's society, they're so ignorant and dumbed down. But mind you, today's society have never had so much scientific dumbing down, including the inoculations to target their brains as soon as they're two years old, and the fluoride and the water supply, which does dumb them down, it's meant to make them more placid and compliable and all the other, and the spraying from the air, and even the food that you eat, it's all, all modified for particular reasons. There's never been a society that's had so much conditioning and been under such massive war attack as we are ourselves. Never mind the, the bombardment, the bombardment by the, the daily media we get every day, the coordinated media, where you, you change from one station to the next. It doesn't matter what you switch to, it's the same format, same stories, same presentation, and it's the same stories one after the other and the same formula. They're all coming from the same uh, central capstone. That's why they're all telling the same stuff. Quite easy to fool millions and millions of people and keep them in darkness without ever understanding. And it's very true that outside of the U.S. there's far more information globally and about the U.S., than the people within the U.S. are told themselves. And that is just fact, folks.
we're heading towards a whole new, brave new world, a brave new world where the gods, the, you know, the high elite, the, the inbred crew at the top, uh, who've been practicing eugenics for an awful long time, have decided that they will make the future, they will remake life on the planet. Quite interesting that in the Old Testament and even the parts that they took out of all the old ancient holy books, which they wrote themselves, of course, talked about the Satan um, boasting that he would conquer and overcome God by understanding nature, meaning science, and rise higher than all the other gods and remake all that was, that was left imperfect. Everything on the planet is just not efficient enough, and so the new gods are going to make sure that they complete the job and make it far more efficient. And under the name of efficiency, they'll change everything. They're already changing human beings. They're already creating chimeras in laboratories of part animal and human. Britain just passed, was the first country to pass the law that they can go ahead and try this. So, and when they pass laws and tell the public, believe you me, they've done it long ago, because we're the last to know about anything that really matters. Same with Dolly the sheep. Dolly the sheep was an old type experiment done at the bottom level of science. The higher levels of science had done that years and years beforehand and overcame all the problems that Dolly and the, and the offspring of Dolly were experiencing. All that is really old stuff. So that's where we are today. Not a nice planet, not nice things that are going on. doesn't mean you have to be miserable. You have to have a sense of humor and still laugh at a lot of it. And my God, does I have a lot to laugh about when you look at the statements were given. Uh, it's like they're talking to children, the handouts from the media. And some of us are not children. We object strongly. I'll be back after the following messages. Close. 
I was going to go back to Arthur C. Clarke's 2001. Remember, a Clark II was a division of priests, and so old art is well named. They put out that 2001 and 2010, and 3001 as well. I should read that book too, because he has the future for the elite in a thousand years' time, and how they will live, and how the, the lesser types will have been eradicated from the planet, and how everyone, even amongst the elite, all have a brain chip and a little antenna circle, like a halo around their heads, which acts as a sort of uh, antenna and intensifies signals so as computers can make sure that no one has nasty thoughts and they could all sleep well at night. But 2001 had Hal as the computer in the spaceship, and the whole story has nothing to do with traveling in space. It's an occultic journey. The, the planets are there for other reasons, for other symbols and allegories and it's all to do with the, the particular one person overcoming the computer or the sun and if you take H-A-L and take each letter that would come after that H-A-L in the alphabet, you'll just happen to find I-B-M which is of course the computer itself and that's how they put their little jokes in movies that people enjoy as they pop their bubble gum and pop away on their popcorn and ask what the next movie is because they haven't even got the point of the first one as they consume movies like they consume the popcorn. That's the society we're living in. At least some of us are awake and more are waking up gradually, slowly, and it took years to get them dumbed down this far, so don't expect miracles overnight. We should be quite happy that, that people are actually asking questions. And the good news is there's more and more of the young ones asking the questions and becoming involved. They have a bit more guts. The older folk have been terrified too much and too long. They're world-weary. They're worn out, a lot of them. And they're after their pensions, they're scared of losing their pensions, whereas the young are going to go through the worst of the changes. And we have to help make sure that we give them as much knowledge and help them as possible to come through. For Hamish and myself up here in Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>